glad to see everyone here. If you would, if you would turn to Mark, the seventh chapter. We're going to be using that as a lot of our lesson this, this afternoon, and we're, we're going to be talking about challenges confronting the church. And um, the one today, since today's December 25th, we have a lot of things related to Christmas. We see a lot of religious things happening with, with Christmas and so forth. I wanted to talk a little bit about traditionalism, so it's not uh, exactly on Christmas, if you will, but the ideas behind what Christmas is like. But I'm going to talk about traditionalism just in a general sense, if you will. And we can pull from that. Because a big challenge <coughs> that uh, churches face every day is traditionalism. It has a long history. And if we look back, you know, Jesus, Jesus often conflicted with traditions in his day. We can see a number of those things there. And traditions have been a, often a major factor in causing division among churches. Because so-and-so or whatever, we did it this way all the time, and now all these folks came in, and now they're making us do something different. I'm not happy with that. I'm leaving. Or whatever the deal may be. Because they are setting something in a way that is not what the Word of God tells them. You know, we're not, they weren't contradicting the Word of God necessarily. So some of the questions we may ask ourselves are things like, what are traditions? <clears throat> are traditions always wrong? And if not, when does a tradition become wrong? And how can we be guilty of traditionalism? And so one of the things we've got to do first is, what's the meaning of tradition? Find out what that means. Tradition, from the Greek word of paradosis, means giving over or handing down. And, I mean, we all are pretty familiar with the tradition. It's been handed down from father to son or whatever. It's handed down from person to person, from place to place, or thing to thing. And in this case, typically it refers to a teaching that is handed down either orally, you know, by word, or in writing. And if we look at, at what the uh, uh, Jews and how they understood their tradi you know, a tradition, is it applied to the oral teachings of the elders. And it was distinguished elders from Moses on down. But then you can take that and divide it possibly into three different classes, if you will. The oral laws, number one, were supposedly given by Moses in addition to the written law. So now this is what Moses said, so therefore if he said it, then that's got to be it. <clears throat> the second one is decisions of various judges, which became precedents in judicial matters. So during the period of the judges, I guess they said, well, now if that's the way it is, that's the way it's got to be, and we've got to set it in stone. And then you had interpretations of highly respected rabbis held in reverence along with the Old Testament scripture. So again, they were just taking uh, human words and putting them into, uh, you know, this is the way we should be doing it. It's their tradition. And if we look prior to his con uh, conversion, we have Paul in Galatians 1 and verse 13. He was a staunch supporter of Jewish tradition, and he tells us as such. Galatians 1 and verse 13, he was talking to the, you know, the churches of, uh, uh, church of Galatia there, and it says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul was right there in the midst of it before his conversion. So that's tradition as, as understood by the Jews. We also have tradition as understood by Roman and Greek Catholics. You know, their views appear to be parallel to that of the Jews if you think about it. And, you know, what they consider tradition is what they believe to be teachings as well. You know, if Jesus or if his apostles 
you know, persevered orally rather than through writing <clears throat> of various church councils, which, you know, have left their various decrees along the way. And then, of course, various church leaders, such as the Pope, considered to be, you know, inspired with latter revelations from God. And so one is expected to take their word, you know, take my word for it, I guess is the way to put it, for these traditions, that they were truly from, from God or and or they've been faithfully transmitted from you know, person to person on down. And then we have traditions as found in the scripture. So we have those as understood by Jews, those by the Roman and Greek Catholic, and then those that are found in scripture. And if we look up the word tradition, you know, it's not found as such in the Old Testament, <coughs> that word for, for sure anyway, but you know, it's found 13 times in the New Testament, three times referring to apostolic teaching, if we look in 1 Corinthians 11 and in verse 2, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, it says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So there was, was an apostolic teaching. 2 Thessalonians 2 and in verse 15, 2 Thessalonians 2, 15 says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. And then in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 6, it says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. And so we have those, those, those three times, at least for apostolic teaching, but then we have like ten times referring to the tradition of the elders or traditions of men and it's done in a dangerous way. So if we look in Mark chapter 7 and, and in verse 3, what I uh, was referring to earlier, we'll read from there. Mark chapter 7 and verse 3 says, For the Pharisees and all of the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received <coughs> and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites. As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other things, other such things you do. He said unto them, And all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is corban that is a gift to God, then you, no longer, <clears throat> then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. <clears throat> and then we have over in Matthew 15, which is a, a kind of a parallel to this as well. So it, it's, it's still talking about you know, the traditions of men and what they've done. Is, is not that there's anything wrong with washing our hands, it's, it's a good, you know, uh, hygiene habit to have. But they were turning it into something else. 
something that was part of the worship process above and beyond what was probably um, that was probably needed. And we see that today in a lot of religious things like silver or gold for your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. And so, you know, we, we when the word tradition gets used, it's one that is not used in a, in a bright light, I guess, if you if you will. And that tells us also that Jesus didn't feel bound to abide by the traditions of the elders. I mean, he was raised as a Jew and uh, I'm sure did all the things that he was supposed to do. But at the same time, he didn't feel bound to abide by these traditions of the elders. Now, now some traditions he had no problems with keeping. If we look in John chapter 2, he didn't have a bit of problem going to a wedding feast. You know, on John, uh, John chapter 2 and in verse 1 says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Well, there's a tradition, things that happen. A wedding is, there's traditional ways that weddings take place and, and things that do in different cultures. He didn't have a problem with showing up to something like that. He didn't have any problems, if you look in John chapter 10 and in verse 22, of attending the Feast of Dedication. John 10 and in verse 22 says, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. So he didn't have a problem with that. So he wasn't just, you know, going to say, well, all these things are wrong. He wasn't saying that at all. <clears throat> he just as easily had no problem with violating other traditions. If we look in Mark chapter 2 and in verse 23, what did he do there? It says, now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went out into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which was is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. So, you know, he's sitting there and, and, and showing them that they were putting some things, they were trying to make things more than they were. And again, eating with unwashed hands, what we just read. They were starting to make that part of their tradition. That's part of what you have to do. Just as when we come in at 2.30, what do we typically have? Two songs, a prayer, a song, the lesson, Lord's Supper thereafter in a song and, and in a closing prayer. Now, you know, some people may say, well, we can't do three songs because it's always been two before prayer. We, you know, that's, that's, that's the manner in what things happen and how things take place is we can't start doing that because having three songs, six songs, a hundred songs, it's not in violation of worshiping God. It's when we start violating God's will and worship him properly is whenever things get in to be a, a, a problem. And <clears throat> that is something that we got to keep constantly thinking about. You know, Jesus evidently did not subscribe to the view of traditions handed down orally because he never appealed to the traditions of the elders whenever we read through the, the, uh, the hand-washing event. He didn't say, well, what did, what did uh, elder so-and-so say? It was, it was talking about the word of God. He either appealed to the authority to the written word, the law of Moses, in his day, or to his own authority as the son of God. <clears throat> and so with that being said, we, we know that based upon what Christ did, not all traditions are bad. 
And so we don't want to sit there and say you can't have a tradition. I mean, we family structures have traditions on all the things that we do, such as today or, well, Saturday or Monday or whatever day Christmas falls on. Everybody typically has a tradition as to what they like to do. So traditions are not all wrong. If they are handed down, though, when we're speaking spiritually by inspired men, they are to be heeded. You know, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2 uh, verses 15, as we read earlier, it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. But if they are doctrines or interpretations handed down by uninspired men, like the traditions of the Jews, then, then we need to at least be suspect of them. Pay attention to what's going on. Uh, because, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong, you know, that some cases uninspired traditions of men might be observed. You know, there's nothing wrong with we got to have an order of worship. We can't just come in and say, well, now what are we going to do today? And come off with some idea of a few songs, a lesson, and a prayer. Well, now today we might be doing six songs. Let's, next Sunday we'll just only do two. We've got to have some sort of order. I'm not saying it has to be exactly the same, but we do want to have some sort of order because that helps us understand what we need to be doing so we can focus on what we're here for is to worship God versus wondering what am I going to do next? What are, we, what are they going to talk about next? Oh, are we going to have a prayer? Are we going to have a song? I don't know which. We've got to know. And so we've got to understand that. But traditions of men can be dangerous or they can be harmless. And how uh, we can distinguish between those are, are things that we've got to sit down and do. What is, it that we, what is it that we can do to understand when a tradition of men, a man, is harmless or if it's, if it's uh, dangerous? Well, Jesus can provide that answer to us. He talks about the dangers of the traditions of men. First of all, they can lead to hypocritical worship. Traditions of men tend toward ritualism. And today is a very uh, prominent day in that. Easter is another when it comes to the spiritual side of things. Is, is They use December 25th as Christ's birth. Obviously, Easter is his death. And they're very ritualistic in, in the things that they do. Um, but we got to look at the rituals found in many religions. And do they have scriptural basis to them? Maybe parts of it do, but what else does or does not? You know, such ritualism is often done repeatedly with little thought as to its origin or pur and purpose. And, you know, Kyle gave a big lesson on, on you know, Christmas Sunday or two ago. So, um, you know, it, it does well for us to think about what Christmas is and, and, and what we are to be doing. But, you know, worship without the heart or mind of man is hypocritical worship. It doesn't matter if we're in Lake Street the building here at Lake Street, or if we're in a building over on Main Street, or if we're in a building on, uh, well, there's three or four buildings on Nicholasville Road. doesn't matter. It's how we approach it on our side as well. Because if we're just going to go in and, and follow it in a ritualistic manner here, we're not any better off. We're here to worship God. Otherwise, we're going to be hypocritical about it. Because Matthew 7 and verse 6 says, He answered and said unto them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. From me, Are we here honoring him with, the, with our lips, but not our hearts? If we are, we're, we're being hypocritical in our worship. 
The danger of, of traditions of men can also lead to vain worship. You know, when traditions of men are taught on the same level as the commands of God, what's it doing? We're putting ourselves on the same level as God. So therefore, we're, we're vain to think that we are par on par with God. It's like what I say is, and what God says, we're, we're, we're pretty equal there. And sometimes I think if we read from what the Jews did, they were kind of putting it slightly above, if you think about it. And that's vain worship. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 7 says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So they're saying that this commandment that we give you, it's a doctrine. It's, it's on the same level as the word of God that, that was handed down to us. Well, such worship may appear to be impressive, but it's actually empty and it's worthless. Because who are we to please? We're to please God, not man. It doesn't matter how well we sing. It doesn't matter... Uh, how well we read or anything like that or how well we speak if we are in the proper frame of mind when we're singing when we're listening to the word of God when we're praying we're there to worship God it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks we're, we're, we're worshiping God because when we look at vain worship God did not command it of course and second because it, uh, uh, it doesn't accomplish the good that we really need you know, Colossians 2 and in verse 18 says, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the, uh, all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you die, uh, died with Christ from the princ basic principles of the world, why? As though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So if we start putting our... our tradition on the same level then we're, 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 we're doing vain worship and what we can do then is these traditions of men not only can it be hypocritical and vain but it can make the word of God void it, we're wasting our time we've just voided out what God told us to do Jesus gave the example of, of honoring one's parents as we uh, read in Mark chapter 7 and verse 10 and what did the elders do the elders tradition taught giving to the temple freed one from giving to one's parents you don't have to take care of them. Just as long as you give it to us, it's okay. That's pretty much how it turns out to be. And so they were rendering the commandment of God of no effect. And these are traditions of men today with similar. There are traditions of, of men today with similar effect. I know of, of one group that uh, there's a lot of the students there at the university attend that particular organization. And there were a few that left it. And they said it was amazing. It, it was short of a cult, I guess, is the way they described it. Because they started taking you away from your whole life. You had the spiritual leader, whatever that title was, and you hung together. If your family was not involved, it, next thing, I guess, closer to that Scientology, I guess you might say, to a degree. But you, you pull away. You pull away from your family. You pull away from everybody. Your goal is to be at that particular place at that particular time and do all the things that is working together as that group. And uh, there were a few that once they got out, they, they kind of re and 
they were not much on church to begin with, if you will. But that was an enlightening experience for them. And what they were doing is they started pulling them away. They were not, they didn't worry about their family. They didn't worry about, they started not worrying about school, all kinds of things, because their goal in life was to take care of that family unit within that group. And uh, that was an interesting side of things. But when we start doing that, we're, we're making the word of God void because there are things we need to be doing as a Christian family. You know, there are traditions uh, um, that, that can be that similar effect as well, as I was saying, like the sprinkling for baptism. That's a tradition of man. But guess what? That's not what the Bible says. How are we supposed to be baptized? We are supposed to be immersed. Otherwise, it's of no effect. And I know the example's been, you know, if they're burying a body, are we going to sprinkle just a little bit of dirt on them and say it's, you're buried, or are we going to put them completely under? I mean, it's a fairly easy example to, to, to show someone. Uh, but through such traditions, one is actually rejecting the command of God, and that's all we're doing, is when we say that my way is better than your way, God, we are putting ourselves above God, and we don't think that what he says is important to us. And when I, all I can think of as the parent of Aaron and Alexa, I can use all kinds of examples. You know, I, I guarantee you if Aaron and Alexa did some of the stuff that we as adults do to God, uh, Aaron and Alexa wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. You know, I mean, there's, there's that type of rejection because the whole idea of what I as a parent am doing is trying to teach you for life and how to get through life. God is teaching us through his word how to get through this life so that we can be with him eternally. And if we don't want to listen to it, we've got the other choice. We, we, can, uh, we, we don't have to be with him. We can make that choice on our own. And so we don't want to be doing that. That's why we come together every Lord's Day. And, and, and understanding what tradition is. You know, and so if we understand the tradition, uh, you know, understand, with an understanding of tradition and their dangers, then we can summarize, you know, what is tradition and traditionalism? Or traditions of God, if we talk about traditions, they're handed down by Christ and his apostles through the written word. And they're necessary for our salvation. God has set that in place for us. We know what we need to be doing. Traditions of men, they're handed down by uninspired men. They are dangerous and potentially sinful, depending on that part. When we're talking spiritually and we start putting it on par with God, it is sinful. Because it can lead to hypocritical worship, it can lead to vain worship, it can make the word of God void. And the traditions of men, though, that are, are harmless, guess what? They can become sinful if they are taught as doctrine. We start moving them on up the ladder, trying to give them a little hierarchy. We, we will say, well, that's, that's more important. We've got to get this done because that's, it's, it's what we've always done. And we can't do it without. We can't have worship service without this. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Or if we make the commandments of God of no effect by their observance. You know, we just say, well, that's not important. God said we should do this. I like this way better. We can make it more fancy. We can shine a little brighter light on it, make it more sparkly. So that's traditions. Traditionalism, though, if we define that as the systematic emphasis on the value of tradition from Wikipedia. You know, it's exemplified by a lot of different religions out and around us. We can see that. Today is especially one of those days. But it can also be manifested here in the Church of Christ if we're not careful. And I can say that, not that I travel a lot, 
But whenever I would go on meetings, whenever it was just me, I would, and flights were cheaper on the weekends, I would fly out early and I would attend the worship service and there was a place in Kansas and all's fine and well, everything seemed fine until you start reading the, the little bulletin board in the back. And, you know, the things that they were leading toward, it was becoming more of a, uh, there were things the funds of the church were used for that were not supposed to be used uh, based upon what I can understand from the Bible. It's not for golf outings. It's not for the potluck dinner that's going to be in the basement later that evening and all that stuff. And so, but, you know, it has the big so-and-so Church of Christ on the outside and not knowing, you know, at the time, Internet was not the big thing. It was like this. So you couldn't really scope out and find out what, you know, kind of see what was going on as easily. And um, the people were super nice. They were great. And we know that. Everybody, every service I've attended from Canada to Arkansas and in between has been nice. But, but we got to be careful because it's easy. It was very simple. There was nothing in the service that would have given that away, if you will. It's when you start reading the little bulletin board on the back and all the things that were, were being ready to be done or what we were getting ready to do. It just takes one step at a time. And so we got to be careful of that. Um, because, again, we don't want that to be in our lives. We want to worship God wholly. We don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to be vain. We don't want to put ourselves uh, to where we make the word of God void. And so that's why we come together every Lord's Day. And to avoid that, we study the word of God. If we don't know what the word of God says, how in the world are we going to know if it's wrong? We got to be well grounded in the Word of God, and by which you know we can examine those traditions, and 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 say if someone says, "Well, we this is what we've got to do." Well, wait a minute. Let's go study on that. Let's see. Let's try to figure it out. If the Bible says we can do it, once we cover it and exhaust the text, then maybe I'm in the wrong. But if it's not in there, then maybe you're in the wrong. And so we need to sit down and study. And be careful not to bind where God is not bound. And so, you know, so many are the differences and divisions of the church today due to traditionalism with its abuse of tradition. And so we've got to be careful not to allow that to creep up in, in, in our service, in our lives, because we're working together in love and unity. We want to, we're working together to have that home in heaven. We are working together to edify one another, to lift one another up while we're here on this earth, because... Today is the only day that we know that we have. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We know that we are uh, here to please God. We're here to uh, love God and, and, and do the things that he asks us to do. But we know that the world is a tough place. And having this time together helps us decompress from the weights of the world upon us. And so if there's anyone here that needs the help of the congregation in any way, come forward as we stand and sing.